everyone. Welcome to Word with Michael David Clay. I've always heard that honesty is the best policy, but maybe not. According to the October 2021 edition of Psychology Today, the truth actually may make it easier for people to behave selfishly. I'm just being honest. By Art Markman, Ph.D. Telling a rival co-worker the truth about his ill-feeling suit moments before his presentation may seem unkind. But the act's association with the moral virtue of honesty may lead many people to view it as justified, new research suggests. In five studies involving economic games, researchers found that participants were more likely to engage in selfish harm, which is reducing others' payouts while maximizing their own, when they could do so by being honest, compared with when they had to lie. What's more, participants were more likely to be honest when it was associated with selfish behavior than when it was linked to altruism. They also perceived selfishness as less immoral when it corresponded with honesty. We often think that honesty is good and deception is bad, says study author Emma Levine a psychologist at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. But harmful honesty exists, and when selfish behavior is aligned with a moral principle, it's easier to justify. Yet she cautions against an entirely cynical interpretation of the findings. Because some participants preferred honesty even when they had no incentive to do so, and often deliberately avoided finding out if their honesty hurt others, she suspects that many people have a genuine preference for honesty and reluctantly allow harm to come to others as they pursue it. Does a genuine preference for honesty justify sharing the truth about the co-worker's unfortunate suit? Taking his perspective might help someone decide, Levine says. As a communicator, put yourself in the target's shoes and ask, would I really want to know about this moment? Most people can imagine a situation where they themselves would prefer to be lied to. <laughs> Thus, perspective taking can lead to better calibration and help us determine what forms of honesty actually promote social good. Again, October 2021, Psychology Today, I'm Just Being Honest, The Truth May Make It Easier for People to Behave Selfishly by Art Markman, Ph.D. Now, my business is about truth, but I do have to acknowledge how I present that is a prominent consideration of mine throughout the entirety of probably the intervention. All the times I would meet with someone, all the times I would speak to them, I would want to make sure that my presentation is both accurate, honest, truthful, but also kind and considerate. And I always measure what I presume to be or what I have found to be their tolerance <laughs> to accept that honesty, that truthfulness. I do also tend to believe that the truth actually represents, finding the truth actually represents a certain degree of liberation. Uh, and with that then, if we can live in that sort of light of truthfulness, honesty, that culture that goes along with it, we'd all probably be happier because in the end, there would be no deception. And I also do believe that 
beginning with deception, or at least with an intent or a thought in mind, that there may be times justifiably when you might not be telling somebody the truth, uh, doesn't necessarily dismiss the fact that ultimately there's going to come a day of accounting. And there's going to be some culpability or responsibility that goes along with that. Now, how do you get there, though? Right? That would then be the question. And it takes me back to what I was saying a moment ago. My business dictates truth. It's all predicated or built upon, constructed upon a foundation of truthfulness. Uh, Truthfulness being part of what hopefully we can uh, equate to or at least associate with. Maybe not equate, but strongly associate with reality. And reality is what we have to contend with. Uh, Denial is a defense mechanism, psychologically, and there's self-protection in that. When you can't really fully, rightly address something in an immediate sort of sense, it does make additionally some sense to delay it. But you can't avoid it, because if you avoid it, or attempt to, it always seems to come back around that you're missing something, and that something that you're missing over a period of time, maybe in some cases lesser, some cases greater, it's going to come back up, and you will still have to deal with it, especially as it might relate to an important sort of aspect of your life. But I think just dealing with life, dealing with reality in a general sort of way, regardless of the situation and circumstance, specific situation, it helps to know how to face it. And facing it really is uh, a euphemism for being honest. Being honest with yourself, then hopefully others, determining what reality actually is, uh, understanding the full implications of whatever it represents in terms of need, uh, want, desire, all kind of coming back to life in general. Um, (laughs) Is it good? Is it bad in the sense of promoting life, better life, quality of life? But the more efficacious, the better we get at addressing life, demands of life in honest and truthful measure and way, it would correlate, my opinion, I don't know anyone who would disagree, with a better life. And how to find the better or best, even in bad situations, making the best of a bad situation, even in bad situations. Because if we don't know it or see it or understand it, In those terms, we're going to miss things. And isn't that really what science is all about? We want to take in as much, as many of the facts as available. And with that, then be able to determine what is ultimately given any, or in any given particular situation, circumstance, what's ultimately going to work best. Uh, and in some predictive way, not only for that situation and circumstance, but life in general. Overall, down the road, long-term as well as short-term. That seems to be, again, the highest measure of not only human thought, but adaptation, adjustment, um, quality <laughs> and quantity of life. So, 
would I ever lie to someone? <laughs> is this like a therapist, psychological counselor? No. Would I make sure, though, the person was in the best position to receive it? Yes. Would I consider that if they weren't in the best position to receive it, I might engender or trigger or precipitate some denial <laughs> and then some avoidance on their part, particularly if it is of the caliber of either discussion of threat or stress or distress that they really don't want to contend with it? Sure. <laughs> because I'm not going to get their cooperation. They're not going to participate with me. And if I do such, is it wrong? No. I don't think it's unethical because the ultimate aim here is to get to the point where we see it fully, completely, totally, honestly. And how we get there is important. Uh, not only for me, <laughs> who's supposed to be the one facilitating then not only the discovery or identification of the facts, but the processing on emotions, emotional level and emotions, as well as thoughts, but it's important for the individual I'm working with, the patient, to be able to do the same thing. Uh, after all, actually, that's what they're going to have to do when they leave my office. Or as they may never, either coming back for another session or may never see me again. Uh, my overall arching sort of goal is to equip them to do what otherwise in an immediate sort of way I'm doing in present tense. Now, in the therapy sessions, I want them to do that for themselves. To not need me. Now, it doesn't mean that they could find themselves or couldn't find themselves in a situation or could find themselves in a situation where they might need me in the future. Sure, and that's okay. And I want to always be available. And if I do a good job, if I've, I'm true to what I'm conveying, even in, in these talking points in the conversation on the podcast today, they'll be back. That's the way it should be. But I want them to emotionally process. I want them to cognitively process. I want them to understand how all of the data, the facts are important. I want them to understand the notion of process. I want them to follow the science as it seems to be a, a current sort of common euphemism for truth and reality, uh, honesty. But, at the same time, I have to be sensitive. I have to understand where they are. I have to understand what they're thinking. That's where empathy comes in and perspective taking comes in. Not so much only for the sake of being kind and considerate, but again, once more, it, it won't happen <laughs> if they either shut down when they come to see me or maybe ultimately they decide not to see me again. Why? Because it's too much. It's overwhelming. It's why there are such things as defense mechanisms. And with that, I think that's really where all of this, I guess, lying could come from. It does seem like inside of us all, as the article suggests, is some sort of measure of um, ethics, virtue, as with then honesty being, truthfulness being the highest of standards. Um, and maybe it's intuitively implicit 
in all of us that we realize all these things that I've been saying. But the idea of self-deception or the idea somehow with conscience in mind that we all then, based on that highest intuitive order of appreciation, whether it's, again, more or less obvious, we all seem to want to live by it. Maybe that is why we all recognize (laughs) that being truthful is ultimately, in the end, as an absolute standard, highest order. But... When people discover, though, that many people are vulnerable to self-deception as a coping mechanism, or maybe not many, all, many might otherwise still be preferring that. That's their preference. It's preferential for them. It's wrong, then, to, in some sociopathic or psychopathic, as in lack of conscience, way to manipulate that. Which brings up another kind of interesting idea. Maybe the article is speaking more to how much we are prone to not only lie to ourselves, but in some sort of way dismiss our conscience or appreciation for honesty. Again, that virtue that it seems to represent, the highest order of not only thought, maybe maybe now I'm saying in terms of more social dimension, highest order of relationship. Some people just default to getting what they want in whatever manner or measure they want it. What does it take to make that person that way? I would think (laughs) maybe they're born with it. I've heard that said. There's a lot to be said for genetic predispositions. But I still would like to believe implicit to all of us there's a desire to not only measure quantity and quality of life by addressing reality in this highest of ways, but the leading force on that, the front person, man, woman, whatever, would be truthfulness and honesty. After all, how do you know if somebody's lying to you, especially if you're lying to yourself? I want to take a moment and remind you, our listeners, that you're listening to Word with Michael David Clay. And so this idea, though, of how you address your life and yourself might also speak to whether or not I or somebody else intentionally would be either in a considerate as with positive pro-social sort of um, reference orientation in mind, or maybe (laughs) manipulatively with the intention of taking advantage of you, might want to figure out, well, just how real can we be here? And is there room, if it is for exploitation, does that not then give me permission, (laughs) or at least it seemingly does, to manipulate you? Now, if you look at it that way, leading with honesty may otherwise, as the article once more suggested, soothe the conscience of those who are lying or those who are about to, in some selfish sort of dimension, try to manipulate to get what they want. I would use the word possibly negotiate if it's a lesser order or degree of that. Uh, Maybe, again, just 
predatory fashion, if it's the extreme, those individuals are just wanting to lie, cheat, and steal. I'm not going to accuse anybody particularly of that or everybody of that, uh, but I'm sure that we've all met some individuals who fall on both sides of that broad continuum. But this notion, though, is if I see myself or know how to measure myself as best I can with that thought of truthfulness, honesty, as it is brought back to adaptability, as we tried to correlate that in today's podcast, as then I might seek the counsel or the advice of someone outside of myself who might see me more objectively, and then I have to trust it's not going to manipulate me for a particular end, then I am probably going to be less vulnerable to others, either for the sake of trying to figure out where I am so they can be careful or cautious and not harming or hurting my feelings, altruistically, as the article put it, or sociopathically, psychopathically, as I put it earlier, take advantage of me. Uh, Yes, we all should be somewhat considerate, I believe, because... That would then tend to lead us toward the notion if the individual is wired that way, genetically we're programmed that way, there's a certain degree of virtue, honesty being part of that, that we all hold in highest esteem, that we do have a conscience that makes it difficult for most of us to lie, then good. (laughs) It's all great. Because then if we all practice that, And in that, even as much we might have selfish ambition, again, wants and needs, we'll do that in the best of ways, reciprocally, to get them done. Met. Get that done. Get them met. And whether it's us individually pursuing that or we do that collaboratively with others, again, that's a great standard, right? That's a gold standard, high standard of conduct and order. But at the same time, if I'm not able to do that, then if I even expect others to, rather innocently, naively, why would I? Because if I can't see it, and I fully know that there are probably others out there who, by virtue of some sort of maladaptive, dysfunctional sort of social socialization, maturing, growing up, They adopted a style, (laughs) and then again, we're going to call it disordered, of deception or manipulation or not being able to either fully know what the standard is, highest order, gold standard, or would themselves not have been taught how to do it, and so they resort to the lesser. They're going to take advantage of me. (laughs) Now, if I want to allow them to, that's altruistic. I want to help other people. I want to be kind and considerate. But I don't know that I help them if they're doing this in that sort of not only inferior but disordered sort of way. And again, that gets me back to my role as a psychotherapist, psychological counselor. I want to encourage not only the individual to be better... Again, all of this virtue is tied in a pragmatic sort of way to adaptability. We want to hold those highest of human virtues like honesty, truthfulness, 
to the highest level of social, individual and social function. But with that then, I hope that it has a social dimension that encourages other people to do the same. I, I may not meet with everybody and not everybody may come to a psychologist or a counselor or a social worker, clinical psychologist, clinical counselor, clinical social worker. But at the same time, would that not be overall better for all of us? Because then, in this full picture sort of dimension, we wouldn't have to worry so much. Maybe we could relax a bit. But once that starts to get into our culture, once we start to diminish either in a personal, individual way or conscience, once we start to accept things that are lesser, even if we rationalize it for good, well, they're just not able to really understand. And why do we want to <laughs> burst their bubble? The bubble, proverbial bubble that they live in. Uh, somebody else can do that. I don't want to do that. Or even if we think we have the answer and they can't see it yet and there's some um, immediacy. <laughs> We've got to do it now, the solution. And so it's justifiable. Um, it still isn't really promoting this highest order. Individual, social functioning, adaptability, it's not promoting science. It's not promoting hypothetical deductive reasoning. It's not promoting empiricism. It's not promoting any sort of genuine, authentic, legitimate process to determine reality. And we all then run risk of either getting totally lost because we start to, in muting our conscience, be dismissive of the pursuit of the truth. But then there's going to always be those predatory <laughs> sort of individuals out there that are going to use that for their own good to the bad of the rest of us. I, I wish it weren't so. Maybe again, what I'm trying to say is the only way to really hold everybody or achieve that is to hold everybody to that same measure. But if you allow there to be a little bit of deception, there always tends to be an amplification or multiplication of that. And then there's always someone that steps in and says, well, they really don't need to know. In the end, what they don't know is <laughs> they won't harm them. Or they're really not worthy of knowing. You know, that's a possibility too. People start to ascribe when they're stepping out of that appropriate, I guess, continuum dimension, boundaries of conscience operation, consciousness, conscience operation, awareness that there's a conscience and a need for it to kind of hold us accountable in this way so that we don't get exploited, we don't exploit one another, so that we do the best we can to adjust ourselves both individually as well as socially to the demands of life with the ultimate, again, end in mind of adaptability. Does it make for more life and better life for everyone? And I don't know that I would put the more life necessarily ahead of the better life, but when it's survival, then it's just life. But we're called to, shouldn't we be? The highest standard, which gets us into that notion of quality. If we want this sort of 
utopian <laughs> sort of society, it has to at least be foundationally set upon science, empiricism, virtue, conscience, honesty, truthfulness. <laughs> don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. And certainly don't even justify lying, cheating, and stealing. And I think that's what the article's trying to capture too. Sometimes it is harmless. You know the individual, the suit analogy. You know the example. You know the individual, you know it's going to harm them. You can talk about their suit after they do their presentation. But at the same time though, it may have the dimension of really then kind of making it an edict. A, a mission in your life to be truthful so that we don't fall into any, we don't run any risk of falling into any semblance of the so-called proverbial trap. And really, that is my calling professionally. Is I see it as that mantra uh, that messaging of science, empiricism, hypothetical deductive reasoning, but it's all driven by an innate and implicit desire to not only live by the highest standard of relationship with yourself individually, don't lie to yourself, but also others. And if I can example that, Maybe I can help people who didn't either learn that as virtue or recognize that as inherently virtuous. Not born evil, but, but maybe the opposite. We're all born good until the evil comes upon us, so to speak. But that's my goal in life, is to help people to understand what we're called to as human beings and what it means to be not only alive life, but to have the best life that we can have. Not only for ourselves, but in that pro-social dimension, that idea of relationship with others, the social dimension of love and relationship. And even if it's, again, just reciprocity, treat other people in the same manner that you want to be treated. Yes, with empathy. Yes, with perspective taking. But it has to have as its centerpiece, foundationally, again, truth in mind. Otherwise, it's a disservice. You're still going to have to learn to do that. You're still going to have to learn an individual, as would be maybe a measure of maturity, growing up, to be able to face reality for what it is, facts, figure out the best way to adjust to it, to find the best, find life, and then the best life. But if you don't learn that now, if I am dismissive, even in the least little bit of that, it's going to come back up later. Maybe that's when people come back to see me. Maybe we do all we can in the moment we're in. And the door's left open, and when you get to a point where you're ready to go a little further, then you can come back. <laughs> I don't think it's an all, all or none or a singular sort of event, occurrence sort of dimension, all or none sort of proposition. But I do believe, though, that we should always not only uh, kind of imply it, but state it. 
And for me, that's what psychological counseling and psychotherapy is about. <laughs> so if you would come to see somebody like me or see me, somebody who thinks in this manner, like me, this is what you should come to expect. And in that same sort of a way, this is again why we do the podcast. It's in hopes of bringing facts, facts, truth. <laughs> See, it sounds a little bit different when you say facts and truth. But truth in some dimension of reality in a general sort of way to you, the listener. I'm not saying that all my perspectives are accurate. I'm not saying if you sat down in my office, I would necessarily push you so hard to be honest and truthful that you've never come back. But what I am saying is this is how it's presented, though. We have to hold the standard out in that absolute way. Lest, I think, personally, we run the risk of getting lost. So, forgive me. I'm just being honest. But I don't know that it's all selfish. Or if it is selfish, it's because if everybody were functioning in the highest of orders, it would be such the better place. So, with that thought in mind, I want to thank you for joining me today on Word with Michael David Clay, and I want to invite you back for our next podcast. In the meantime, good health, good mental health. Take care.